And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, I'm doing another late night recording And uh, you know what? I'm just going to jump into it Skype line As always I Just on once a week now Just on the podcast once a week And I couldn't be more excited about it My my dear buddy and my colleague at The Athletic DC Ben Standig Um What's up? I appreciate uh, that I made uh, that wasn't a salary cap cut. So I appreciate that. No, you're more you're more of a two way guy. We could add you once a week, and and you don't have to count against the salary cap. And we don't really wait. Was was Cassius Winston on the court today? (laughs) I see you were paying attention in the last forty seconds of a twenty point game. Well, he was right because yeah. I was like confused. I was like, "Wait, what? What is happening here?" I thought, I, I swear, I, I had not. It's been a little busy in football land, so I didn't even wasn't even sure he was like with the team right now. Uh, I had forgotten he was with the team as well. This was literally <laughs> the first time he'd gotten into a game. But so, so we're recording this one. Uh, it is it is late on Monday night. The Wizards just blew out the Phoenix Suns, and. Uh, not a post game show. I just I like recording them late after the game. It kind of gives these podcasts the longest shelf life. That way, if you want to listen to it Tuesday, you have all day Tuesday to listen, and you got all day Wednesday to listen before they actually play on uh, when are they playing next. They're playing on Wednesday, so you kind of have two full days to listen. So we're doing this really late on Monday night, and I guess we'll talk about the the Suns game a little bit, which the Wizards won one twenty eight to one hundred seven. But we got some other topics to broach. Um, Ben, I, I sent you a little outline of what I wanted to talk about. The Wizards are three and eight. Bradley Beal can't stop scoring. Russell Westbrook has a left quad injury. Thomas Bryant tore his ACL. I think we should start on the injuries, specifically Thomas Bryant, and then uh, and then work from there. Really unfortunate. So Bryant Bryant tore his ACL in Saturday night's game, and uh, man, it's just it's really unfortunate because he was looking better. He was helping. I think he'd solidified as their third scorer. I think he'd been their second best player so far this year. Like that's that's a loss. And that just that sucks for Thomas Bryant. Like that really does. He's worked hard. He's well liked on that team. Like it, any kind of injury sucks. I mean, just that something that serious. It sucks, but it, re- it really sucks to see a guy like that go down. Yeah, obviously you never want to see anybody get hurt, but there are some guys it just feels worse for because they just, I don't know, they play with such energy or, you know, effort and joy. And I'm not saying other guys don't want to win as much or whatever, or it just some guys just, you know, share their emotion with us. And like on some level, right, it's a shit, you know, it is a shared experience, but when he does it, it feels like it's going both ways, if that makes sense. So you feel some, you know, probably more connection with him. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, feel bad for him. Totally sucks. He was playing, having a good start to the year. Um, you know, if the Wizards 
we're going to go from like being, you know, maybe in that playing mix for the for the postseason to like maybe the seventh seed or something. Like you were, somebody else was going to have to take the leap if if Beal Westbrook and uh, Bertans did their thing. And you know, so like Rui Hachimura was the one I was kind of said like maybe he could you know, hypothetically have a Pascal Siakam type leap. Not saying I said that, but I thought he would, but that like that. But Thomas Bryant's the other guy. I mean, he doesn't have to become Patrick Ewing, but you know, if he's an effective you know, on, on both ends of the court. Effective, again, doesn't have to mean he's all defense, but just effective. I mean, that could be a big deal, but, and he was playing, you know, he's playing pretty well so far. So yeah, big, big, big blow for that, for what they're trying to do, but also for him just personally. Yeah. I, I still don't know how they're going to approach this. So they applied for the disabled player exception, which means that they're basically able to use an exception. They, they, if, and when they get it, they'll have $4.2 million that they can use that towards. Now, think of that either as a $4.2 million free agency exception. So it kind of works the same way as the mid-level exception, only it's $4.2 million. You can sign a free agent for up to $4.2 million on only a one-year deal. You can't sign somebody past this year. Or you can use it as a trade exception. So they can take in a salary that's worth up to $4.2 million. I don't know how they're going to use it. It's always worth just, I don't know if they're going to use it. It's always worth just applying for the, the more tools you can get for free, the better you get. The wizards did something a couple of years ago. Ernie Grunfeld actually did this move. It was, it was really clever cap maneuvering. And, and I don't know for sure that Tommy Shepard did this move. Like if he was the, the person behind it, but it's a very Tommy Shepard E thing with the way that he maneuvers trade exceptions and that kind of stuff. But they turned, their disabled player exception that they got for John Wall, they structured a trade specifically so that Wesley Johnson, when Wesley Johnson was traded for Markeith Morris, Wesley Johnson slid into the disabled player exception. That gave them a large trade exception, which they then used to accept Davis Bertans. So there are kind of clever cap ways, and you can look up the way that they did that. I've written it before, but... There are clever ways you can use that to help you in the future, even though that that disabled player exception doesn't stay on your books throughout the year. I don't know if they're going to go out and if they're going to get another center or if Robin Lopez and Mo Wagner are going to ride it out for them. I don't know if they're going to go out. They're going to make some sort of short-term move for a wing, somebody who can shoot threes, someone who can help their perimeter defense. I, I don't know if that's what they're going to do. They're 3-8 and eight right now. They're in the bottom, whatever they are in defense after this Phoenix game. I think it kind of depends on if they continue to dive down the standings or if they make a run. I mean, at some point, you just you can't justify a short term move because you're too broken to be fixed by a role player. And they made the Ariza trade a couple of years ago. I, I don't see Tommy Shepard being a guy who does something like that, even with Bradley Beal kind of staring, you know, letting them know that he wants to win. I just don't see him thinking that an Ariza-type trade is something that will actually help them win. That being said, this isn't like me reporting that. This is just my opinion on on predicting stuff. It could be wrong. That could be wrong. And And if they win some games and they start to be encouraged with themselves, then that's a move they could make. So I don't know which move they're going to go. They have some options. Uh, but filling in for him with this roster is going to be different. Robin Lopez is a very different kind of player. You know, Mo Wagner is is someone who the organization, I don't think they have a ton of faith in him. They didn't pick up his, his fourth-year rookie option, which says that they don't think that he's going to be able to command $3.9 million, which is what the option would have been worth. They don't think he would command $3.9 million on the 
on the free agency market next year in all likelihood. If they did, they would have picked up that option. So I just, I, it's different kinds of players who are filling in now for Thomas Bryant. And I I don't exactly know how they're going to go about it, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do. It's going to be interesting to see if they play Rui Hachimura more at the five. That's a possibility. Or even like Davis Bertans at the five, depending on the matchups, there are different ways they could go about it, but they're, they're going to have to scrap in at that position. Yeah, you know, I, I don't always believe that like you should have you, you have to play your five most talented players like at the same time because sometimes not all talent mesh. You have to have people who do different things. But like in this case, <laughs> like if we're at a point where it's like okay, you know, let's just say there's a healthy Westbrook, even though right now he's out for a week. But let's just say there's a healthy Westbrook, Beal. Uh, you know, who are the next three best players? I mean, Bertans, I I guess Hachimura and. Uh, I don't know, Dev, Denny, maybe? I mean, you play them. Like, they're not, it's not like, you know, the, the, you, you, just, the, you, sometimes you just have to determine, dictate what's going to happen. If they want to have a big out there, then take advantage of it and, and do that. I mean, you, you know, if those are your best players, you, you got to try different things because, yeah, Robin Lopez is Robin Lopez, which is totally reasonable and helpful, but, you know, that's not going to work all the time. And uh, Mo Wagner, like you said, I mean, you know he's had flashes. He's had, he brings good energy. I heard somebody say, and uh, or di- sorry, different kind of energy. And uh, you know uh, that's good. But that's you know to this point, his career it hasn't been sustainable. So it's just hard to you know it's hard, you know until seen otherwise, it's just hard to know he's going to uh, do it. You know most nights. You know what helps your defense if you're a struggling defensive team? Playing your defensive, your good defensive players more minutes. That's going to help your defense. So, so like Robin Lopez now, Robin Lopez got 26 minutes against Phoenix. If Robin Lopez is going to play 25 to 27 minutes, I'm not arguing he's a better player than Thomas Bryant. And I'm not arguing that, you know, when Westbrook comes back from the quad injury, that is going to be awkward because Robin Lopez hangs in the lane a lot. And Westbrook, as we all know, needs to get into the lane to be effective. That's a really awkward pairing. I don't know exactly how that's going to work offensively, but if we're talking defensively, Robin Lopez playing more minutes is a good thing for their defense. He is a better rim protector than Thomas Bryant. You can you can drop him, and he's been pretty good. They played a little bit of zone with Lopez out there so they could keep him in the paint. I mean, there are ways to use his rim protection that are going to, that's going to help. I don't think they're going to foul as much with him on the floor because he's a better communicator. So guys won't get caught off of, off, uh, you know, out of position as much. They won't get caught off guard as much. And he's a more disciplined rim protector. So he's not going to foul if he happens to get caught out of position more. It's just not something that he does all that much, although he has fouled a decent amount in his beginning time with the Wizards. Because apparently, if you play for the Wizards, you foul a lot. And that's how it works. But like, Garrison Matthews is playing more now. Energetic defender. I know he gets caught out of place, but he does whatever he can to get around a screen and does whatever he can to get in the passing lane. And he gambles a little bit, but he's better than what they've been playing. Bonga got rotation minutes against Phoenix. Like that will help their defense. You know what it is with like some guys like, look, we, we, we can like, you know, debate skill. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, you know, uh, certain skills or, or or just how they handle certain things. But sometimes you just have to have good mojo out there, good energy, good, you know, like some guys, I mean, that's the thing about like, just to use Westbrook as an example, whatever you want to say about Russell Westbrook, there he is a high energy player. Sometimes it may be misguided. Most of the time he does really good stuff. 
Uh, but whatever. Garrison Matthews has high energy. He, he like he really moves. I mean, there's like, like a lot of JJ Redick in him, and I don't mean you know the the, the two guard the two guard white guy who can shoot. I mean like JJ Redick back at Duke. I was like that guy's gonna be good in the pros because he plays with a lot of energy. He just moves aggressively. I mean, Beal has that also. So I, I yeah, I mean, I think Matthews does that. I mean, you, you mentioned Lopez. I agree uh, with what you're saying. I think he I think he will benefit them in certain ways. Uh, I, I was just saying before, like you know, don't like the, the the other part of going smaller was more like it, on the on the Mo Wagner side of things, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, Lopez is totally solid. I mean, you know, he he won't he won't uh, let you down. And like you know, offense is not the issue for this team. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, I, I get a problem with him. I mean, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to go small at moments just because they have no other choice. Because Wagner is going to be sitting there with, you know, six fouls in 19 minutes like he did on Saturday. And, you know, Lopez can't play 48, so he'll have to rest. And that's what happened on Saturday. Wagner had six fouls. He was out, and they had to play Rui at the five for minutes. Like, I don't even know if that was a thing they were dying to do that night. I don't know. I didn't ask anyone. But it's possible they just, I mean, they, they, they didn't do it until after Mo fouled out, so I'm assuming they weren't going to do it. Uh, you know, it's not something they were going to go to. Sometimes they're just going to have to do that out of necessity because Wagner fouls a lot. So he'll be in foul trouble or will foul out and they're going to need to go small just because they have to. So that's something they'll have to do, too. I mean, they have positive techniques on the roster. He's non-guaranteed. We'll see if he stays on the roster. Um, you know, I, I don't see him getting into the rotation. So. Uh, well, what what did I see? I, I, I was looking at this during something. Bobby Marks tweeted something like, "In order for, if they would actually use the player exception on a player, they would have to actually probably get rid of somebody because they have what like I think he was like saying fourteen players plus one partial." Yeah, you know what? I'm Marks. I'm actually going to I don't want to say necessarily correct, but clarify the great Bobby Marks who knows way more about the collective bargaining agreement than I do. Um, that's true if they sign someone because they have 15 guys. So if they sign someone, they got to get rid of Posse Snakes because he's a partial guarantee and, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's easy to part with. Um, but they could, they could use that in a trade too. So if they were to get the DPE, they could use it as a trade exception as well. And if you're using it in a trade, you don't necessarily need to do it. If it's a one for one trade or a two for two trade or something like that. You don't need to do it. So, you know, it's it, they don't necessarily need to get rid of someone, but they can. And if they want to improve on the roster with someone who they're going to play, then they could. And I think it's very possible they will. So we'll see what ends up. We'll see what ends up happening there. We'll see. I mean, look, they moved back. Passage Neeks is uh, his guarantee date. It was originally in July. Well, I guess not July now, but it was originally shortly after free agency started, and they moved it back to February 1st, which is a sign of they were going to cut him. Otherwise, that's normally a sign. So, you know, again, we'll see what happens there. This is way too inside baseball. Let's Wait, say, can I, yeah. can I completely hijack this for one second? I just saw something on Twitter that has nothing to do with the Wizards, but I, I'd like to, to mention it because you probably already know. Okay. Okay. Uh, Amin El Hassan is leaving ESPN to go to the Dan Lebatard, whatever he's doing. I saw. Big media news. 
like though that for real like i, I really like i know where he's on a, i don't know i assume we're, we could talk about her i, I think amina has is really good like he's one of my favorite like when he was on the jump like the jump especially when i was more on the wizards and the football team was like my favorite show on tv and i mean like all the shows <laughs> like like you know whatever 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 hbo show like all that and Amin Al Hassan was like is like my favorite uh, guy and it was fun, but also like he keeps it real and I like his take. So yeah, I'm just like I'm like to leave ESPN, I don't even know what Dan Levitard's doing. <laughs> but Dan Levitard's great too, so that's fascinating. Dan Levitard is awesome. And Amin is on uh or was on highly questionable all the time. So it makes sense. Anyway, I want to comment on something that you were just saying. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with Amin. Uh you know another reason they were they looked better defensively tonight. Oh, I, I, I bet I do. Um, Westbrook has not been good defensively. He has really hurt them defensively so far. And look, he, he, I've talked so much about how he hasn't looked as explosive, and it doesn't exactly take a rocket scientist to see that. He hasn't been getting to the hoop, and all these Westbrookian things that have made him a Hall of Fame level player just haven't necessarily shown. And you look at the numbers and they bear out and you watch him play and it bears out and he just doesn't look like Russell Westbrook and Scott Brooks revealed today. So he he's going to miss at least the next week when they say reevaluated in a week. That doesn't mean he's out a week. It means the doctors are looking at him and doing all the tests that they need to do again in a week. And then they're going to reassess where he needs to be. So he's out. At least a week. He could be out only a week, and it could be more with a left quad. So he's now missed two consecutive games with a left quad injury. And maybe that explains something. Brooks said he got hurt in training camp, and he's been playing through it. So maybe that explains something. Because if you've got a left quad injury that you're trying to do, by the way, which is not the quad he had the injury on in the bubble this summer. It's the other quad. But if you have a left quad injury because somebody knocked you in the leg and you've been playing through that, that might explain why you haven't looked as explosive, why you haven't been able to get to the rim like you normally do, why you haven't been able to blow by guards who normally you would be at least getting, you know, a half a step by, let alone blowing by, you know? So we'll see how he looks when he comes back from that. Uh, It's not necessarily good news that Westbrook is out. It's certainly not, but at least there's like a reason that he's looked the way that he's looked, right? And if it's only a week or if it ends up being a little more than a week and it ends up being okay and he comes back and he just looks like he did last year, all of a sudden, like, you're looking you're looking better if you're the Wizards, you know? So, obviously, we're not doctors, so we don't know. You know, they, they, they made the explanation, but we don't, you know, we don't know what that exactly means, you know? I mean, they're hoping, whatever, that a week will do good. T- tell me if this is I, I, I guess it's a slight hyperbole, but maybe not. This feels like one of the most consequential weeks in recent Wizards history, because if because we talked about this the other day, I think on the podcast, like does Westbrook just need a week off or is there something more than that? Or maybe we talked about this on the side. I don't know. And you know, it was like, well, we don't know, obviously. So now the Wizards have decided he's going to get a week off and they will see what happens, I guess. Like if it is just that he he's just been sore, he needs to get off the legs, and that and that does wonders. Awesome, like you said. I mean, that'd be big, big, big news. Obviously, to have a All NBA player suddenly, at, you know, at the peak of his powers and not limited you, that'd be that'd be great, or you know, close to the peak of his powers. But if it's not, if it is, if it doesn't cure the trick, if like it's you know, 
yeah, he's feeling a little bit better, but whatever the thing is, I mean, uh, that's, I, I am not remotely saying Russell Westbrook's hit the wall, because what do I know? I, I, I would definitely never count that guy out, but, you know, that type of athlete, you know, things can drop quick. Well, I, again, I'm just saying I, those are like sort of the options right now. He, he's good in a week and fantastic because, it, by the way, it isn't just the next month or whatever. It's the next two and a half years. Like, he needs to be good. <laughs> you know, they gave up John Wall, who's looking good on a first-round pick. Westbrook needs to be good. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, you're right. I think everybody there is really open that's the case. He just needs a week or two weeks or even three weeks, and maybe they can go on a little bit of a run. They've got Utah next, and then they've got some easy games. I mean, Cleveland has been playing killer defense. I think they're number one in they were number one in defense yesterday. I don't know if they're still number one in defense now, but Cleveland's been playing killer defense, but that team is also like 29th or 30th in offense. So it's it's really, they're kind of the polar opposite of the Wizards. Uh, and and you've got Charlotte coming up, and, and you've got these games, you know, I don't want to say for a 3-8 and eight team that any game is a game that that team should win. It's it's not. I mean, Cleveland's 5-5. Five and five. It's not necessarily a game the Wizards should win if you're three and eight, but they're winnable games. These are not unbeatable teams they have coming up. They just went through a really tough stretch. These are not unbeatable teams they have coming up. If you can kind of make it through there and and you make it through there okay, and Beal carries you, and he's been insane lately, and he's able to carry you, and Westbrook comes back and he looks good, all of a sudden, like maybe you have a little bit of something there. If your goal is getting into the play-in tournament, then maybe you have a little something to accomplish that goal. But you're right. This is a really big moment for them because if they fall off in this Phoenix games and aberration, which maybe it is, we're at the point of the year where it's still early, but we're also far enough into the year that it doesn't make sense to overanalyze one big win against the Suns when the Suns are late in the road trip. You know, it's just... It's a silly thing to do. Let's let's not do that. Wizards played well. The Suns played really badly. And that's kind of it. Uh, but I'm not going to say they turned everything around right now, even though Bertans made his shots and Beal looked good and they defended better. But, like, it comes down to Westbrook. You're right. Is Westbrook going to look like, not like prime Westbrook, but just like last year's Houston Westbrook, or is he really, really, really not going to be able to get to the rim? Like, he's getting to the rim half the amount of time as he was last year. That's that's just a big problem. The mid-range shots are way higher than they've ever been. The foul I rate mean, is way lower than it's ever been. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com.
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Right. I mean, like I said, hopefully it's all good. And, you know, maybe that's the case. Obviously, it's been a weird off, you know, weird year, weird off season. He got traded, you know, all that. Um, but for what it is worth, if it did go south, like the Wizards were in the worst position possible with the John Wall situation. I think that was a reasonable take. Um, but we all had it. I would still stand by it. I think anybody would. You know, John Wall looks like he's doing well. We'll see what happens. Uh, but anyway, but that said, they would make their position somehow worse. <laughs> By trading away a first-round pick and Westbrook not being right, that would actually make the situation worse. It would be almost impossible for that to have seemingly happened. So um, let's hope it's not that. Yeah. It would be a problem. It's it's crazy how well Bill's playing, by the way. 60 and then 41, and he had 34 through three quarters tonight. He didn't score in the fourth, even though he ended up playing a little bit. Um, he's just been... He's been on fire. The shot is on fire. He's averaging a shade under 35 a game now on the season. Like, he had 34 tonight, and he brought his scoring average down. He missed the Saturday game, which I, I can't believe we're 20 minutes into the podcast. It's nice that we're 20 minutes into the podcast, and we're not talking about that, like, none of these things might matter because who the heck knows what's going to happen with this season with games being canceled left and right, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the the, the whole the, the NBA season feels very perilous right now. I mean, who knows? I mean, every time they play a game at this point, I'm just always like, wow, okay, I guess that happened. Um, so uh, yeah, I, yeah, the, the, everything is, feels very tenuous, and uh, you know, just gotta hope. Uh, you know, obviously, hope whatever they can do that's right, and for the Wizards, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I still don't understand how Beal missed that game the other day, but nobody else did i mean i guess it was just him and jason Tatum. i don't know i think i think i know days. what happened well yeah i guess they said that he and jason tatum were hanging out somewhere for, for a couple seconds away from everybody else but even even still a while only two days or i don't know i think i think i know i think i know the answers so um, so this is this is my opinion based on information that i know i don't know for sure this is what happened but this is kind of my like i'm throwing out my theory and I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident in my theory. So, so I think what happened. So, so the league, when 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 Jason Tatum tests positive, it's like later in the day, and when a player tests positive, uh, it kind of the reaction from the league is, oh lord, who has crossed paths with this guy? Let's find out right now. And we have to look into all of these interactions. And Tatum tested positive late in the day on Saturday. And Beal and the Wizards had been in Boston the previous night. Beal guarded Tatum for a lot of that game. And Beal had the interaction with Tatum after the game. And I don't think Beal necessarily had to go into quarantine because he had the interaction after the game and because he guarded Tatum. I think the league was just looking into the situation. And 
So, like, if this had happened, let's say the Wizards were off on Saturday and Beal played Sunday instead of playing Saturday, I don't know if Beal would miss the game. I think what happens is when the league is looking into situations and figuring out if you need to, if you're able to play or not able to play during that period, you're kind of just in basketball purgatory. You're unable to play while they're reviewing because the last thing they want is for some for some situation to be under review for contact tracing, then for that guy to go out and play. And, you know, it's kind of the opposite of when you're appealing a suspension, you know, and then for that guy to go out and play. And then all of a sudden you find out that that person shouldn't have been playing. And now you have a massive super spreader event. Now, the league has some ways that they handle these things, which I find a little bit murky. So basically what they are operating off of is they're saying they don't really they say they don't think it really spreads from and other people have written this, that they don't really think it spreads from in-game interaction. They're operating off of a CDC guideline that says if you spend more than 15 minutes on the aggregate with someone over a certain amount of time and that person tests positive, 15 minutes within six feet of that person and that person tests positive, then you're at serious risk. If you spend fewer than 15 minutes, then you're not. And so what the league had to look into with Beal is how long was that postgame interaction with Tatum, which was very short. And also how long were they together on the court? Now, something I thought was funny was a one thing that they're they're doing is they're using second spectrum, which is like on court player tracking. And they're using second spectrum to track how often players come within six feet of each other on the court and attracts how much time they spend within six feet of each other. And, and I actually heard that Tatum and Beal, which is funny because they're like, you know, unbelievably close childhood friends and they guarded each other and they talked trash to each other. Tatum and Beal spent an inordinate amount of time within six feet of each other during that game. Like even for guys who guard each other, they spent an inordinate amount of time, but it didn't meet the 15 minutes and the interaction was short. So Beal was okay to go. Now, I, 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 I don't know what to make of that system, to be honest. I don't. Like, if you spend less than 15 minutes with somebody, but Jason Tatum sneezes right in your face or is talking trash at you and a glo- hawks a loogie on you accidentally, like, that's not too good, you know? Like, that's not the best. So I, I don't know what to make of that system, but I think that's what happened with Beal. And I think that's why Beal didn't have to, you know, quarantine for seven days or something like that and why it was just one game and then he's back. That's my analysis and my thoughts of the situation. My very long, very long analysis. All, all, I, all I know is like I have not been on a plane this whole time um, and I haven't really had any interest in going. But for work purposes, you know, a couple of times I've had to can at least consider it. Um, and but I remember like thinking like I can't imagine getting on a plane. And then at some point during this whole thing, you know, I saw like they had like a breakdown of like the, the, what are sort of the normal things that people do that you have the, you know, the least to high, you know, highest to lowest chance of, of catching something and the fact that airplane came like sort of middle i was like oh that's not bad and above it in the bad part was playing basketball so ever since that point i was like wait <laughs> how are they gonna play if playing basketball seems is more worrisome than being on a plane <laughs> seems like you know whatever so uh yeah the basketball thing i don't i 
I don't know how they're doing it. I mean, look, college football is literally playing its last game tonight. They obviously have some plenty of issues, but they made it through the year. Um, you know, the uh, you know baseball made it somehow. Football, you know, knock on wood, they're into the playoffs. So, you know, I, I, I'm not suggesting they should just go ahead and play if it's not right, because obviously I think I think they should do what's what's, what's safe and what's tomorrow. But I'm just saying they got you know if they can figure out a system that works, you know, they could probably get th- get through just based on what the other sports have done. But I do worry about basketball more. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm I'm totally concerned. I've been concerned the whole year. I've been concerned the whole time. What's not to be? Uh, you want to talk about basketball though? It's it's just it's just more fun when we can talk about basketball as if nothing's wrong in the world. <laughs> sure. You know? uh, what what do you think of Scott Brooks's rotational stuff with Thomas Bryant out tonight? By the way. Um. I, I mean, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, you know, I like the the when the second unit went out. I mean, you know, we've talked I mean, we've talked too much about Garrison Matthews. I mean, you know, he's interesting, but he's not great. You know, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, it's I, I have it's been interesting to see him out there because, like I said, it does bring out that good 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 energy, and then Wagner as well. That second unit was 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 fun tonight. Uh, you know, I, I don't know again. I don't know if it's sustainable over time, but I like. Uh, I like what they were, uh, you know, what the, what they were doing, um, what they were doing out there. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't believe it took this long to play Matthews. How, how many times I've said so many times on this podcast that I mean, I, 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 I sort of uh, because of the football team, I again sort of like I didn't see the Miami game. I kind of lost track. But like, whenever it was like three games ago, when when Matthews came in at this during a blowout, and then they came back. And then Brooks was asked about it afterwards. He's like, yeah, I probably should have been playing him earlier. And we're all like, well, <laughs> yeah. And now he's played him like three games since. So I, I don't know. I, 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 things, some things I'll just never figure out. And, you know, <laughs> his rotations are kind of one of them. But uh, whatever. Anyway, Matthews is playing. That's good. By the way, I will just say this. Like my instinct is to say, hey, by the way, Troy Brown should be playing also because now it's been DNP for the last five. But I was looking at like the, the the rotation and like I don't want to say they have like some you know Mac Daddy team especially without uh, Westbrook and Bryant. But you know I, I looked at the group. I'm like I don't know who I would pull out just to say Troy Brown has to play. I mean I'm I would maybe argue he should and maybe you just sit Bonga. But you know I, not like he played a ton. Um, but you know I I I don't know who's who I'm sitting right now. I guess for Troy Brown, even though I think he should be playing. If that makes sense. I know exactly what you mean. Here here's what here's the thing. Troy Brown hasn't done himself any favors. Like, he just... I understand if you think Troy Brown should be playing over Neto or, or something like that, or playing over Ish, or or playing over Denny, or, or getting some of Rui's minutes, or, or whatever. Just, like, find a way to get Troy Brown in the rotation. It's like, I, I don't have a problem with that opinion. I really don't. But Troy really hasn't pushed the envelope. You know, I, I could push the envelope is well. He doesn't see like. I, see, that's the thing. I think Troy Brown, who I like as a player, I like I like his potential or like the, like the way he thinks. But he doesn't play with energy. I'm not saying he's not trying, but like he doesn't have like a spark. Yeah, and he doesn't have the guys, demeanor. He doesn't have the demeanor. Yeah, when he's out there, he's not sort of forcing action, dictating. He's it's just more you know coming. He's coming to you know he's, he's just kind of let it come to him kind of thing. And whatever, I'm not saying that can't work, but. 
these other guys are giving something that seems feels more tangible and for on that level and I think on some level at least tonight was an example where that seemed to work. Yeah, well, you know, Troy Brown got in the Miami game for example. And I didn't think he I didn't think he played great. You know, he just he hasn't capitalized on his opportunities. They they haven't given him a lot of opportunities to facilitate and that's clearly when he's at his best. And he hasn't really adapted. And there are a lot of players who are in that situation on this team. Denny is at his best when he facilitates. And they're basically trying to use him as a cutter and a spot-up shooter. And Rui's at his best when you can give him the ball and just say, go do your thing. And they're kind of having to use him more as a post-up guy and a spot-up shooter. And by the way, Rui the last few games has not been great. And I don't think he's played with a ton of energy for what it's worth. I mean, there were a couple of loose balls against Miami that he just jogged after. And it really caught my eye because he got beat to the ball both times by opponents who were sprinting. And I I just, you got to run, man. Like, there are moments with Rui where I'm like, he gets the ball. There was a play against Phoenix where he gets the ball at eight feet. And there's a guy standing right under the rim and nobody between him. And he can go at the rim. And he can go up strong. And he was doing this stuff more the first couple games of the year. And he's kind of stopped. And instead, he shoots a little fadeaway mid-ranger. And Beal tells him after the play, no, go at the rim and dunk it on him. You can see Beal telling him, go at the rim and dump, dunk the ball. Just get fouled. And he's he's not playing with the physicality that you would want him to. And I even wrote after his first preseason game, he played with more physicality and he's had flashes where he's done stuff he didn't do last year, but you still want more, you know, there are still moments where you're like, that's, that's not the habit that you want out of him. He's big and he's strong and he's athletic. Like don't take that shot. Go at the rim, get your fouls, get your free throws, get your finishes around the rim. And like, that is what will make him a better player. So, yeah, I don't think he's been great the last few games. I I really don't. But that being said, Troy Brown hasn't really grabbed the opportunity to go get into the rotation. You know, Garrison Matthews did. And I'm not saying that means Garrison Matthews wants it more. I just mean he had an opportunity and he's played his way into the rotation. And and Troy Brown had an opportunity. He didn't play his way into the rotation. That's, That's just sometimes how it works. And he didn't really do it in the beginning of the year either. So I think he'll make his way back in at some point. But but as of right now, it's like I don't think it's crazy not having him there. All right, I just had a, I just had a thought. Are you ready? Mhm. So, obviously a lot of the conversation around the team is like, hey, if the Wizards continue to struggle, what does that mean for Scott Brooks and all that kind of stuff? Now, obviously, uh, you know, Tom, the, the Tommy Shepard aspect of that doesn't doesn't get counted on. I think we all think like his contract signed a two year deal. I think so. Uh, he would you know at this year it would be in something we would have, they have to make a decision or something. Uh, I think by and large he's he's done a reasonable job all things considered. You mentioned some of the creativity stuff. Um, I, you know I think it's been interesting and you know I'm not gonna you know I, I didn't necessarily love the Westbrook trade for for. Uh, for all aspects of it, including the long term, but like you know, all things considered, if they had to get rid of Wall, that was not a terrible scenario for Westbrook's healthy. But all that said, 
it almost feels like if if we're going to sort of at the end of the year assess and think that Tommy Shepard did a good enough job where you think he, we should give him a longer deal, I almost think Rui may become the, the, the pivotal piece because the Westbrook thing, presumably the ownership had to have signed off on that. You can't just trade John Wall and take on Westbrook without the owner saying, okay. Whereas other things are, you know, I don't know if Ted Leontes is saying, um, you know, you have to draft Rui Hachimura, although I'm sure he likes the Japanese market. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, you know what I mean? Like, so if Rui Hachimura is like at the end of the year is kind of where you're kind of saying like, you know, it was okay. The nice has been great. Like not the two years it makes a career, but like if you're after assessing the, the GM, that is kind of important. On the other hand, if he does make more of a leap here, he does start looking like a guy who could be a consistent starting power forward in the league. Then since Denny already looks good, you know, then you could point to say, Hey, look, he's had back to back pretty good draft. We like some of the other maneuvering, like, you know, things are, should be pointing up. But if, if Rui's like, well, we don't know yet, then that, that could be something else. For what it's worth, by the way, I was looking at tonight's box score, the Phoenix box score. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Jerome Robinson didn't play in this game. He started against Miami. I would be playing Troy Brown over Jerome Robinson. But the guys tonight, I'm like, you know, I get it. I would get it if Troy Brown were in the rotation. I think he's a promising young player, and he's 21 years old, and he's smart, and he makes good basketball plays, and he could be a good facilitator and run pick and rolls, and I think he can develop into a good team defender and all those things. My opinions on Troy Brown are the same. It's just like I wrote a story at the start of the year. They have a lot of guys. You know, they have right. a lot of guys that you can justify playing time with, and I think that's been a thing that Scott Brooks is, I think, tried to take advantage of but has struggled with identifying who that 10th guy is going to be, obviously, because he's changed it in most games. So I bet you Troy Brown will be back in the rotation at some point. I really don't think this rotation is going to be set in stone at all. And we'll see. Um, anything else before we wrap up? Uh, no. Uh, I think I think, I think think we're good. I think that was a good uh Good episode. Do, I, well, I, well, do they have like awards? Do they have awards for. Like, I was gonna say, you send it to the Peabodies. I don't even know if that's an award. Did, but the, is there an award for podcasts? Like, can Wizards After Dark like win a, a, like a podcast award? Or something? I guess they're they're Webbies. Is that for podcasts? Is that we, a Webbies. I've heard of that. Is that for podcasts though? I have not. That's why I'm asking. I don't. know. I think there are podcast sections of Webbies. I think. Yeah, I mean, but but regardless, I mean, I Wizards After Dark will- cannot win an award. So, oh, why not? <laughs> I don't think this podcast is winning an award. What, what, why not? The best wizards after the, the wizards podcast that takes place after dark goes to <laughs> that. That one we might have a chance at. I think that one we have a pretty good chance at. If we actually, if we don't win that one, I might be in trouble. <laughs> but other than that. It would, there, there would be some like loophole or like some Harry Potter uh, podcast that uses After Dark and it somehow like they would be allowed in or something. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest, the best Wizards podcast that takes place after dark, uh, I I did have some say in creating that award. The system is a little bit rigged in that one. So well. Anyway, anything I, to plug? The football team season just ended. Oh, your 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 story from after they won on Sunday or on Saturday after they lost, I should say, on Saturday on the on the quarterback. I know I'm going to mispronounce it because I don't follow football enough. Heineke. Yes. Yes. It was very good. People should read it. That was a good story. What else you got? 
Uh, yeah, I'd just be, you know, I'll be, I'll be football teaming. And, uh, once I kind of get that, uh, uh, let that simmer a little bit, maybe we'll, uh, see what we can do on the help, help on the, I, I like to go to a wizard game at some point. Uh, so we'll see how that goes, but, uh, yeah. Oh, I, the, the, uh, uh, standard room only podcast, uh, a lot of football, but I'm going to talk some basketball as well. So you can uh, check that out. Great. Check out the standard room only subscribe to wizards after dark. Tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. If you enjoy the podcast, head on to iTunes, leave a review, give us five stars. That always helps a ton. If you enjoy the podcast and you want to check out my writing or Ben's writing or anything else that we have, I wrote like five stories in five days this week. So I have a lot of stuff up there on the Wizards and Beale and Thomas Bryant and the Russell Westbrook resting plan, which I, I realized while writing that story, how ridiculously difficult it is to say Russell Westbrook resting plan five times fast. It is impossible to do that. So I have a story up there on the on the team's logic behind the Westbrook resting plan, which, by the way, now that we know about the quad injury can be read in a slightly different context. Right now that we know that he's kind of been nursing this thing since the very beginning of training camp when he when he heard it. Anyway, if you want to read stuff on The Athletic, not just our stuff, but everything, you can get a full subscription at a discounted rate if you go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark. Again, that's theathletic.com slash wizards after dark. And you can sign up for The Athletic, get full access to the site, everything NBA, MLB, NFL, all that, $3.99 a month at theathletic.com slash wizards after dark. I will be back with another episode later in the week. Thanks a bunch for listening. I'll talk to you guys then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.